All right, I'm excited about this message and those of you that are watching today and also those of you in chapel. I want to talk about the anointing of preservation. And I'm actually, uh, Rachel, thank you. She's on the front row. She works for us. You do a great job. I know she's kind of helping to put this together. The publishers came back and said, hey, you got done with the book on the blood. We want another one. I said, well, I, I, I don't know what to write. And I felt like the Lord said, uh, write a book on the glory of God, but also on the anointing. And so what I'm going to do is what you're hearing me preach over the last, well, like, last week and what I've been sharing about the anointing and what I'm going to talk about today will also be put into a book because I really feel like it's going to help some people. And this message kind of came to me where I had an experience, and maybe I shared this with you already, so I don't mean to be repetitive, but those of you that are watching, maybe you haven't heard this. So this was August um, of like 2020, the beginning part of August, just right before the election was stolen uh, in November of 2020. I was working on my train layout, and by the way, next week I'll show you some pictures. I've been working on some cool stuff. I want you to see it. I think you would really like it. And uh, I was working on my layout, and I was just right before the layout, and uh, I have HO scale if that doesn't mean anything to anybody. It's just that, you know, it's not the big trains or the little ones. It's, it's like this. They're about that wide, and HO scale, 187. And I was um, gluing figures down on the layout, and I was holding them. And I had my back turned to where I usually have my desk, uh, and I work on stuff. And I was gluing on the layout, and I felt the atmosphere shift. And I felt the presence of God come in my room. And he's come in before. I mean, one time before uh, Easter several years ago, um, I felt his presence come in, and I knelt down by a chair, and I began to worship. And as I looked down, his feet appeared before me. And it was probably one of the most precious things that ever happened to me because I was like, Lord, if that's all I ever see is just your feet. Wow. It makes you realize how much he is a, a beautiful person, but how awesome he is and the demonstration of his love for us. And uh, so I saw his feet. But anyway, this time um, I was looking at the layout and I was holding it and I felt his presence come. And I just kind of held on to the, the figures as I felt the presence intensify. And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, may I speak to you? And I remember holding those figures and I just, I froze because I felt like a holy reverence. And I hit the ground in front of me and I, and I put my face down to the ground. I said, God, I don't know why you would need my permission for you to speak to me. Your servant hears, and whatever you say to me, I will say it if you want me to say it. Otherwise, I will hold your secret within my heart. And he said these words to me. He said, the election is going to be stolen. I prophesied that a few weeks later, August 16th, where we talked about how the election would be stolen. Uh, they would seek to delay it through a chaotic thing. How many remember that prophecy? Raise your hand. And the Lord said, do you think that they will be able to take my nation from me. That was August 16th. This is why I'm so confident. They're not going to get by with what they did. But here's the beautiful part of that. The part that really touched me. He said, I've dedicated this election that's coming to the honor of my son and to the harvest that he deserves. And then he said something that really hit me. And he said, I shall also dedicate this election for what it will do and what it will expose to the honor of the children. For the enemy shall try to steal their future. And then he said to me, for what shall keep this nation 
will be the anointing of preservation. How many of you remember me talking about that? I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't understand when God said the anointing of preservation will be upon this nation. And so as I look at what's been happening with how there's been a hardship on many of the things, and you know what I'm talking about, you that are watching today. It's been harsh. It's been confusing. It's been dark. It's like, when is it, this movie going to end? And as I've been studying on the anointing, I realized something, and I've been in conversations with God about it. And I realized that how many of you remember the story of Jesus when he was driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. So it was God's idea, the Father, to drive his son by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights of continual, absolute spiritual warfare, you could say. The devil himself hammering at Jesus, trying to get him to fail, to sin. But there was something that protected Jesus in that particular wilderness. Obviously, it was the decision that he made to not give in to the temptation. But the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon him at the time of his baptism in the chapter before, there was an anointing of preservation that came. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus and, it, and the Spirit of the Lord drove him into the wilderness and there was a preservation. As long as Jesus could stay in his spirit, man, walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, not get over in the flesh, that anointing would protect him and preserve him. And it did. How I many you understand that? So Jesus was driven into this wilderness with a showdown of the devil. He said, well, pastor, what are you saying? And how does that relate to, to, to what you just said about America? Listen to me. The enemy is, is foolish. The enemy is, is, is not wise. All that he's been pushing down your throats, all the things that he's been doing to make it appear like he's winning, he's won, that this is the new normal, what God is doing is setting him up so that it will produce something on not just the Christ. Remember, what did it produce on Jesus, that confrontation? Jesus came out in Luke 4, 14, in the power or the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What is it going to produce on the body of Christ, his church now? An anointing or power upon the Lord's church. The enemy has overplayed his hand. Now, what's amazing about this is why would God allow this conflict that we are seeing expressed or manifest through government, through laws, through, through governmental officials, through the schools, through high tech, through the media. Why would he allow this confrontation? Listen to me carefully. It's to produce an anointing that will ultimately show you that this nation and God's agenda is and has been preserved. But something greater. Can I tell you what it is? It's called a yoke destroying, come on, a burden removing yoke that has been upon, the, upon, upon many. They've been afraid. They're confused. And God's going to destroy it. He's in the process of it. What's he using? The anointing. Now watch this. Isaiah chapter 10. Let's see if that preservation or that anointing is in this verse. Now, this is important. 
And I want you to hear this, those of you watching now, listen to me, and, and in this room. I'm going to show you the life of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus said, no man can take my life unless I lay it down. But I'm going to show you at the moment he laid his life down, that anointing that he said was upon him, lifted so that what he agreed before the foundations of the earth to be the lamb slain, to come and to die on a cross, that anointing of preservation lifted. And I'll show you where it did, to where now they could finally touch him. Do you know that same anointing is on you? It's not a different Holy Spirit. It's not a different anointing. That same anointing is upon you. Now watch this. Isaiah 10, verse 27. And it shall come to pass in that day. Now think of an ox as I, as I continue in this verse. That his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. How many of you have had a burden? And his yoke off that ox shall be, watch this, taken off. And that yoke shall be not broken. Don't ever say the anointing breaks the yoke. You don't want the anointing to break the yoke. The anointing, notice what it says, destroys, destroys. Come on, say it, destroys. Well, Pastor Hank, what's the difference? If it's just broken, it means those same devils or assignments that were against you, if, if the anointing breaks it off of you, it means they can take it then and bring it and try to re-yoke it upon you. But if it's destroyed, which is what it does, the literal translation is, it is so destroyed that there are not any fragments or pieces that they can find to ever bring a yoke or an assignment against you. So the yoke is destroyed because of that precious anointing. Now, how does this apply to preservation? They translated this last word here, the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. But in the actual Hebrew, it is the yoke is destroyed because of the fatness. Implying this, that that ox is so fat, so muscular, so powerful, so submitted underneath the leader who he serves. Come on, Christian. That there is such a preservation that nothing through the anointing, that nothing can prosper against that ox or upon that ox. It's preservation. Now, I want you to see this. Let's look at the life of Jesus. Okay, let's put up Luke chapter 4, verse 14. So we talked about Jesus, and we talked about how he went... Out of the wilderness. So what did that conflict with the devil produce? The anointing. The power of the Lord. What's it going to produce with all the different things that have been coming against us? High gas prices. Inflation. Treasonous government. All of this is going to be destroyed because of God releasing an anointing that is already here on this nation of preservation, but it's going to continue to increase. What they've tried to yoke you with, you need to go ahead and hear the first uh, service's prophecy where God talks about what's coming. Talked about how gas prices are going to go up and then they're going to go 
And he talked about import. In other words, we are going to have our own gasoline again. He's talked about this. Different things coming. So you have to see something. Now, how many of you have ever read about the anointing in Scripture? Let's just look for a minute. So Samson was anointed to the point where he could take out how many thousands of Philistines because of the Spirit of the Lord that was upon him. But notice what lifted that anointing off of him is when he began to get into sin. He gave into temptation. See, in Jesus' case, the temptation was to try to get him to sin, to remove that anointing so the devil could take him out. But in Jesus' case, he resisted temptation, and that anointing, without measure, was so strong on him. Samson gave in to sin, and it lifted that anointing off of him. And what happened after that? He died. Elijah goes up into heaven, not by physical death, but he goes up into heaven, and as he's getting ready to be caught up by a chariot, what happens to the mantle that was on him that carried that anointing? It fell to the earth. But notice where he went. He went to heaven. What about, you see another case. You see uh, in, in the case of Miriam and Aaron. And when they both came against God, it says, and their leader, Moses, which was their brother, that God called them out, and he began to tell them what they did. And he said, you're not to talk against my servant Moses. You're not to talk against, uh, against me, God. And so as a result, Miriam got leprosy. And we think, well, Aaron got off scot-free. But you read a few chapters later, and, the, and God says to him, says, Aaron, step out here. Watch this. Take off your mantle. His mantle was where that anointing that preserved and, 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 and released that power that was upon him. Once he took it off, he was gone. Jesus is hanging on the cross because he had given his life. He said, no man can take it from me. Notice how many times Jesus said, no, he said, the devil has found nothing in me. So they, I'm going to show you in just a minute how many times they tried to kill Jesus. They couldn't put a hand on him. Because there was an anointing that protected him. The presence of God protected him until it was time. The devil couldn't find anything in him, but the devil sure tried. But Jesus is hanging on the cross, and down below he could see them gambling for his seamless garment, which was representative of his mantle or his anointing. Are you listening? Think about this. Now, there's a scripture. My spiritual mother showed it to me. I couldn't find it. Um, she's probably laughing from heaven, where it talks about that the early apostles would die martyrs' death. But there was one that didn't die a martyr's death. Why? He was boiled in hot oil. But there was a greater oil that was upon him, and he didn't die. It was the anointing of preservation upon John. Now, let's look at Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Let's go on a journey. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Now, you have to stop right there. What is the power of the Spirit? That is the anointing. Acts 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and 
power. So how was Jesus anointed? With the Holy Spirit and with power. Here you see Jesus had power on him of the Spirit. So you could say Jesus was anointed. Right? So now the next place Jesus goes is in verse 16. Watch this. So Jesus goes in to Nazareth, the place where he grew up as a kid, and as his habit was. Now watch this. There's churches. I wouldn't go to a church or say it's my church if they barely or even if they haven't opened their services. There's no anointing there as far as I'm concerned. Jesus had habits of going to the synagogue or church. We as pastors need to understand that church is essential. It needs to be open, stay open, and never close. Why? Because the anointing that destroys yokes and undoes heavy burdens for the people. So he went in, and, and it was on the Sabbath day, and he began to stand up to read. Now let's go, and let's look at what he began to read. And they delivered unto him a book of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the book. Jesus knew the book. How well do you know the book? He opened the book and knew exactly what was written in the book. He knew where to find it. And Jesus says something. Now, this is very important. Those of you that are watching, listen. How Jesus had the spirit without measure. I mean, there was no limit to the power of God's spirit or presence that was upon him. In fact, we know that the shadow of the Almighty in Luke 1 verse 35 was over Mary's womb and over the literal body of Christ. And that same overshadowing is what never lifted off of Jesus. And what that, what that, what that means, the overshadowing of the highest, it says, the, the angel says the shadow of the highest. In other words, you can't get any higher than, than this. What it literally means is that when it's the shadow of the highest, it literally means the most, the strongest power available in earth without blowing it up. That's power. That's what was on the body of Christ. And it's what's coming on his church. Now watch this. So Jesus begins to declare something. And one of the greatest ways, you say, well, how do I increase? If Jesus had the spirit where there was no limit, how do I increase it on me? One of the ways is by your mouth. Okay, put up Proverbs 13. And look here what the scripture says. We're going to come back to Luke 4. Proverbs 13 says this. He that watches or, you know, is, is smart about his mouth. Or you could say this way. However you use your mouth will determine your life. He that keeps his mouth, that word keep in the next part, will keep his life is the word preserve. If you know how to keep your mouth, watch your mouth, you will preserve your life. Okay, wait, 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 stop here. Everybody look at me. Those of you that are watching, look at me. So, Pastor Hank, are you telling me that what I say out of my mouth when it comes to the anointing of preservation can increase the measure of that anointing upon me? Yes. I'm saying what you say out of your mouth can absolutely add longevity and preservation to it. 
He that keeps his mouth, or he that will decree, that's why you got to get Pastor Brendan's daily decrees. He that keeps his mouth, he that decrees the right things with his mouth will preserve his life. That's why the devil wants you to talk wrong. That's why he wants you to act wrong. Right? So you have to understand, go back to Luke chapter 4 now. Jesus opens up this book, and notice the first thing that he does. He does exactly what I just showed you. He opens not just the book, but he opens his mouth. He doesn't just open the book. He opens his mouth. You can write that down. Opens his book. She's putting together a book for me. Rachel is. I'm gonna. I'm, this is my next book coming out. Did you get that? Okay. Anyway, let's go on. She's awesome. Jesus opens the book, opens his mouth, and he says, "Look at me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me." Say that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed. That anointing of preservation is upon me. I'm going to show you, and you need to come Wednesday night. There's a connection between the anointing and preservation. I'm going to prove it to you further. I'm going to show you scriptures that maybe you've read where you didn't make the correlation between the anointing and preservation. And then what I plan to do is not preach long and lay hands on everybody who comes very fast. We're going to release an anointing and declare preservation. Okay? Now listen. So Jesus says, look at me, the Spirit of the Lord's on me, I am anointed. As he said that, it, it continued to enforce protection and preservation over his life. Let's read on in Luke chapter 4. So Jesus is, is speaking here in Luke 4. We're going to spend some time looking at Jesus for a minute. Now, Luke chapter 4, he announces it. Now watch what happens. I love this. You know... We're going to read. This is very interesting. I'm just getting ahead of myself. Verse 20, and he closed the book, and he gave it to the minister. And he sat down, and the eyes of all of them in the whole church was fastened on him. I know what that's like when I have eyes fastened on me. Some people are like, some people are like. Others are like, remember that show with uh, Arnold different strokes. What are you talking about? But, but seriously, I know what it's like to have all eyes fastened on him. And I know when the anointing is on me and God on purpose through me and in me is making people mad on purpose. I like to make people mad because I'm just like Jesus. Jesus made people mad. No, he didn't. He was nice. No, nice is conformity. He wasn't nice. He was loving. And he spoke the truth in love. And he confronted in love. Amen? So let's go on. Luke chapter 4. All eyes were fastened on him. I can't wait to see because, you know, I hear that we get to heaven, we're going to be able to see movies or whatever of what. I can't wait to see everybody's eyes. And he began, and he began to say to them, this day the scriptures fulfilled in your ears. And they all bore witness and wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. They said, oh, man, these are gracious words. But then they get into trouble. And here's what gets you in trouble. Is not this Joseph's son the sin of familiarity? Okay, stop right there. When people get familiar, oh, that's just praise and worship. 
Oh, I've heard that song before. Oh, I've heard that scripture before. Oh, I don't want to go to church. Oh, that's Pastor Hank. Oh, that's just Pastor Brenda. You're getting into familiarity. Now, I want to preach two things about this. Number one is, you can look at this for your homework. Mark 6, the Bible says, with Jesus who had the spirit, the anointing without limit. The Bible said could do no mighty miracles except a few people with a headache. My, my interpretation was it. How can you take a man who has the anointing without measure and limit it? Through unbelief and familiarity. Because you read, they said, oh, this is, this is Joseph's son. Remember that? And it literally took that anointing that was limitless for their needs and made it not work because of their unbelief. Now, think about this. If the anointing of preservation was upon Jesus to the point where we're going to see in the garden, he tells the Father, Father, all of those that you gave me, they have been kept because of thy glory or your preservation that's on my life and ministry. Except the son of who? Perdition, except Judas. What did Judas do that took him out? This is why being under the right church, the right pastor, can preserve your life too. Because that anointing was preserving Judas until he got caught up in familiarity. And Jesus said, when Judas came up to this is by revelation. I've never preached this. By revelation, Judas comes up to Jesus and kisses him on his cheek. And Jesus said, the kiss of my familiar friend has betrayed me. And when he kissed him, that anointing lifted off of Judas. And the devil of suicide got a hold of him. Killed him. Are you listening to me? This is how powerful the anointing is on your life. That's why if you are a minister, don't you mess by living dirty. The anointing is holy. It's precious. Now watch this. So Jesus has this anointing on him. And he is going to literally, they got familiar, he's literally going to on purpose make them mad. And so he says, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in that country. So in other words, prove it. You did it over in Capernaum, do it here if you're really the son of God. And Jesus said, uh, didn't you know that no prophet is accepted in his own country? And so he tells them that. He's basically saying, I am that Luke 4, verse 18, which was Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed. I am the Messiah. And he's giving them, and he's going to make them mad by basically saying, I'm the Messiah. You all are looking at me. You're getting familiar with me. You can't even, your familiarity is keeping you from recognizing that I am the anointed one. Now watch this. So he tells them a story that Jesus just drives it in to make him more angry. (laughs) I'm like, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. You make him angry. And so he said, I tell you a truth, verse 25, there's many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when heaven was shut up three years and six months with a great famine throughout the land. But none of them was the prophet Elijah sent 
except unto Sarapata, a city of Sidon, which is a Gentile place, and unto a woman that was a widow. In other words, he's saying, look, the prophet Elijah, there were many widows among you Jews, but none of them was he sent except over here to the Gentiles. He was trying to tell them, you're going to reject me. You already rejected me as Messiah. You're already saying, isn't this Joseph's son? You're already sizing me up with your eyes and your religious spirit. And I'm here to tell you, I'm your Messiah. And just like uh, Elijah had to go to the Gentiles, I'm having to do the same because you, my people, have rejected me. He goes on, gives him another example. He's going to rub it in some more. And in verse 26, he says, and all or 27, and there were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed. In other words, none that were Jews except Naaman the Syrian, a Gentile. Watch their reaction because he's saying, you are rejecting me. When I said to you today, this is fulfilled in your hearing, I'm saying, I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one. And he's telling them a story that they're rejecting him. And when they heard all these things, verse 28, they were filled with so much anger that they rose up and thrust him out of the city and notice these words, led him, led him. I don't think they went, Shh. I can't whistle. Somebody whistle. Okay, I, and then Jesus just said, I think they had a hold of him. They had to. And Jesus is a cool cat. Because he knew the anointing of preservation was on him. And the only time that he would lift is when he said so. So he's walking. Notice what happens. They bring him out. To the brow of the cliff, that they might throw him down headlong. Notice they didn't throw him down by his feet because he might bounce back up. Who knows? But they wanted to kill him, so they throw him down headlong. But verse 30, but Jesus, passing through the midst of them, went his way. Folks, can you imagine being the guys that are holding on to him? All right. Goodbye, you self-appointed Messiah. <laughs> All of a sudden, where'd they go? And then the boss, what's up with you, Vinny? You dropped him. What, where'd they at? Where'd they go? I don't know, boss. I had him in my hands, just like you said. And I held them honestly, right there, headlong. And all of a sudden, you know, I was holding them, and I'm like, He's gone. <laughs> Don't play with me. No, honest, boss, he's gone. Don't play with me. Seriously, he disappeared. <laughs> and then watch what happens. Verse 31. And Jesus came down to Capernaum. How did he get to Capernaum? When he was over there in Nazareth. We think that, oh, that was the next day. It didn't say. He disappears, and now he's in Capernaum in the very place that he was just speaking about, where they would receive him. Are you hearing me? This was supernatural. Now watch John 6. Let's go there. Let's look at this journey. 
And let's look at this anointing of preservation. This is so powerful. So in John 6, and I believe this is very prophetic for where we're at in our nation. And I want you to see this because this is an incredible story. So in John 6, we see the story where Jesus is literally feeding the multitude. And uh, in verse 15, and watch this. Jesus therefore perceived all that would come and take him by force to make him king, departed again into a mountain alone. And when it was dark, the disciples went down into the sea. And he told them to get into a ship. And they went over the sea towards Capernaum. And notice it was dark, but Jesus was not there. Why? He was out praying. And there arose a wind, and, and, and Mark 6, the same story, says that the wind was contrary. Listen, we've had a lot of contrary things blowing against us. And the sea rose by a, a contrary wind, and they had rowed about 5 and 20 or 30 furlongs. That is about 2 to 3 miles. So now they're out 2 to 3 miles in the middle of the lake. Jesus isn't there. And so the Lord, watch this, Jesus begins walking on the sea and drawing close to the ship, and they were afraid. But he said unto them, it is I, don't be afraid. Now, hold your finger there, I'm going to come back to it. I want you to look at Mark 6 account. So in Mark 6, I want to prove something to you. So in Mark 6, watch this, You, you go over to verse 45. So immediately, verse 45 of Mark 6, Jesus told his disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side. And he sent away the people, and he went into a mountain to pray. And when it was dark, it was evening. Verse 48, notice on the land, it was dark, Jesus saw them toiling. How did he see them? He didn't see them in the natural, it was dark. He saw them in the spirit. This is why you pray. If you pray, you won't be afraid of the darkness that's on the earth right now. If you pray, I'm not afraid. I'm not scared because I pray. I spend time with God. I've seen the future. Okay, so he prayed. He knew what their condition was. Watch what happens. And he also saw that the ship was by the sea, and he saw them toiling. The wind was contrary. He comes out walking on the sea, and he would have on purpose, one translation said, passed them by. So this was the test. Jesus was literally ready to walk right by them. That's what he intended to do. He was waiting to see how bad they wanted him. It's a test right now. How bad do we want Jesus? How bad do we want God? Now watch this. This is so amazing. And when they looked at him as he's walking on the sea, when they saw him walking, they thought it was a ghost. Stop right there. Here, it's a visitation of Jesus in process. When people look at all the things, the gas prices, inflation, COVID, all this, they get looking at the darkness and the ghost, the the, the evil side. And yet they don't see that there's something walking towards us. And it's a visitation of God himself. And yet all they can look at and attribute everything to is being evil. Don't be like the disciples. They can't see redemption coming to them. They can't see a deliverance to a nation coming to them. They can't see a spiritual reset coming to the earth. They can't see the glory coming to them. All they see is an evil ghost, they thought. Doom and gloom. 
store up. Let's get out of here. Gog, Magog, and eggnog. <laughs> now let's go back to John 6, and then we're going to go on this journey. So Jesus gets in the boat because they called him in. Now watch what happens to this boat. We just read in Luke 4 that they led Jesus to a cliff, and he passed by them. Okay, how many remember what happened with Philip? He was translated. Right? In other words, he went to a place supernaturally. Watch what happens to this boat. This is why you know when Jesus passed by or the scriptures that I'm about to show you, it's talking about supernatural. Okay? Watch what happens. So Jesus gets in the boat. Now, again, they're two to three miles out in the middle of the lake. Verse 21. Then they willingly received Jesus in the boat, and immediately the ship was at the land where they were supposed to go. That's acceleration. That's what we're coming into in this nation. You think that this is the new norm. You think the gas prices will never go down. You think that we aren't going to have restored order in our government. You think that we're not going to ever have no more masks. And God is saying, if I could take a boat in the time of darkness with my visitation and accelerate it, I can accelerate this nation. And I will. Now, you need to look up that word immediately because I'm going to tell you something. That word immediately, literally, it means supernaturally, miraculously. Okay? Now, let's keep reading. So, how many establish that? Let's go to John 7 very quickly. So, John 7, watch this. In verse 25. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, is not this he whom they seek to kill? So, now they were after Jesus to kill him. But he spoke boldly. Jesus spoke boldly. We need preachers that are going to speak boldly. Amen? Jesus spoke boldly, and he made them mad. Didn't I show you that? They were filled with wrath. And they said nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Look at verse 30. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. The hour came. And there was a moment where Jesus literally allowed them to lay hands on him to lead him off to the crucifixion. So as long as Jesus would live right and honor the Father and what the agenda of heaven was for his life, as long as he would stay in that anointing until the time that he was to lay his life down, that anointing preserved him. So notice they couldn't touch him. Let's go on. I want you to look here at John 8. Let's look at John 8, verse 56. And your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it, and he was so glad. And watch this. This is, this is going to make you laugh. I think you're going to get a tickle out of this there in your living room. And, and Jesus said, the Jew said unto him, you're not even 50 years old. And you say that you've seen Abraham? Watch Jesus' response. Jesus said, yeah, I have. And I say unto you, even before Abraham, I am. In other words, I'm God. I'm God. I'm God. I am is the name of God. Moses said, who, who, who should I say sent, sent, sent me? I am God. They took up stones <laughs> to throw stones at him. But Jesus hid himself. Now, I just showed you Luke 4. 
I just showed you John 6 with that boat. Jesus is not going. They picked up stones. Don't throw a stone. Don't throw a stone. Don't throw a stone. Jesus wouldn't hide from anybody. You know what it was? These boys over here again. Boss! I had stones. Honestly, I was going to do what you said. I had them. I threw it and it, uh, it dropped in air. He must be hiding. I don't know. I, I threw stone at him. He gone. He didn't hide behind the pillars of the temple. Peter, shelter me with your coat. Hey, you, come over here. I'm the Messiah. It's not my time yet. Jesus knew the anointing he walked in. He's like, there's preservation on me. He hid, meaning they couldn't find him. Why? Bye. And so he passed by, verse 59. They took up stones and went out of the temple going through the midst of them. Notice he passed through the midst of them. Just like that ship passed through to the other side. Luke 4, he passed through. And they're like, whoa. Supernaturally. Anointing of preservation. Are you ready? Look at uh, John 10. Look at verse 31. Then the Jews, again, took up stones to try to kill him or stone him again. And Jesus answered them, many good works I have showed you from my father. For which of these works are you now going to try to kill me? And the Jews answered him saying, for a good work, we stone you not. But you are blasphemizing, or blasphemy, what's the word? Blaspheming, whatever the word is. And because thou art being a man, you make yourself out to be God. I like it. We're getting ready to have Good Friday service. And how many remember when Pontius Pilate thought he was the big dog in town? Pontius Pilate has Jesus. They beat him. They thought they really had this guy. And he's got the crown of thorns on his head, and they put the scarlet robe upon the Messiah's precious, beaten, bloodied body. And Pilate thought he was something. He looks up at Jesus and he says, Are you the Christ? Tell me plainly. And don't you know that I have power to crucify you? And Jesus answered him and said, First of all, you have no power unless it had been given to you of my Father in heaven. And number two, to answer your question, Tell me plainly, are you the son of God? Do you know what Jesus, Jesus answered? The scripture says he said, I am. Again, he identified himself as God. But the literal translation is, this is what he said to Pontius Pilate. You bet I am. That's one bad dude, man. Jesus, you're one bad dude, man. <laughs> he said, you bet I am. You know what Pilate did? He washed his hands and said, I, have found not, 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 I found no wrong with this. I ain't touching this dude. <laughs> so Jesus goes on, verse 34, and he says, look, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. 
Verse 35, he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world. Thou blasphemest, because I say I am the Son of God. Tell that to the Jehovah Witnesses who come to your door and they say he's not the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I'm in him. Therefore they sought to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. How did he hide, pass by, escape the anointing of preservation? The anointing and protection is connected. Go to Psalm 89. Hold your finger in John. We're going to come back and close this baby up if they can come to the piano in just a minute here. So look at this. I have found who? David. My servant. Don't go ahead of it. Now just let me read though. So I'm just telling that ahead of time because they're doing a great job back there. I have found David my servant. With my holy what? Oil. I've what? Okay. 1 Samuel 16 is where David was anointed. He was anointed a few times, but... The anointing initially came on him in 1 Samuel 16. Then you read in verse uh, 13 of 1 Samuel 16, as a young boy, as David was anointed by the prophet Samuel, it says in verse 13 that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. All right, watch this. Then it says in verse 18 of 1 Samuel 16, again, we're going back to this verse, he was anointed. It says in verse 18 that he was a man of war, a valiant man. And then you go a chapter later, and he's getting ready to take on Goliath. Now, stop right here. Why would David be such a bad boy walking up to King Saul, who he used to play a harp for in 1 Samuel 16, and he watched a tormented king, evil spirits leave him because of the anointing? Why would he go now into the tent of that same king and the king tries to put his armor on him and David says, get that off of me. I haven't proved these, but something I have proven, I've proven the anointing. You see, there was a lion and there was a bear and because I'm anointed, I tore him up. And because I'm anointed, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, not even part of the covenant, I'm going to do the same. And I'm not afraid to die because I have an anointing and a promise that preserved my life. So it wasn't just a rock that took out David. It was an anointing. Bam. Man, I feel God. I feel God. Thank you, Lord. All right, now. Let's go back to our story. Psalm 89, verse 20. I have found David, my servant, and with my holy oil, I have what? Is there a connection? You need to come Wednesday. I'm going to show you some more examples. Between the anointing and protection or preservation. Keep reading. Verse 21. With whom my hand shall be established. In other words, I'm going to keep my hand on him. That's preservation right there. I'm going to fulfill the throne of David. My arm also is going to strengthen him. But watch this. Here is the greater connection. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness even afflict him. Why? Why? Go back up to two verses ahead. I have anointed my servant 
David. The enemy can't touch him. He's preserved because of that anointing. Let's go back to Jesus. His life, his ministry was preserved and protected until the hour that he was to lay it down. So let's go on. John 10, let's look at verse 51, or 31, excuse me. Uh, We already looked at that one, didn't we? Yeah, look at John 11. So John 11, now he's going, and he gets the news that his friend Lazarus is dead. And so rather than Jesus, this is what people do. They often text, you know, pastors or call the church. And and they, they don't understand sometimes why pastors, good anointed ones, will sometimes say, let's just wait on that. Let's just wait on that. Or they don't respond right away. Jesus didn't go running when the news came about his friend. Because it's important that you're not moved by sympathy or empathy. You're moved by the Spirit of God in the anointing that will release compassion. Which compassion is God in action. You get greater results. Okay? I don't do everything that everybody asks me to do. I wait till I feel the unction. That's what Jesus was waiting for. Now watch this. So he gets there, and he says in verse 6, When he heard, therefore, these things, that Lazarus was sick, he said, All right, I'm going to stay here two more days and enjoy where I'm at. Then after that, he said, All right, let's go, boys, to his disciples. Let's go to Judea again. And his disciples said to him, Master, you're crazy. The Jews of late sought to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus is like, yep, yep. Now, you don't want people to be part of your traveling ministry that, look at verse 16, that would say this. I wouldn't let anybody travel with me if they had this kind of mentality. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow's disciples, let us go that we may what? We may die with him. <laughs> what a doubter. Well, he, he wound up being an, a powerful apostle. But here's the point. He didn't understand there was something that was preserving Jesus' life. It was the anointing that he declared was upon him, but it came upon him when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him at the time of his baptism. And it only continued against the devil where he came out in the power of that anointing. And he went into the temple and said, look at me, man. The Spirit of the Lord's on me. I'm anointed. The anointing of preservation's on me. No matter how, time, how many times you try to stone, stone me, kill me, throw me off the cliff, you can't. Now let's keep reading. Watch what happens. John 12, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Look at verse 10. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. So who was the other person they wanted to put to death? Jesus. Jesus and Lazarus. And so you can see that they were constantly after. Now let's go. We're almost done. I'm going to show you a couple scriptures here. John 17, as I wrap this up, watch this. John 17, now Jesus is in the garden. And he is praying and he is talking to God, his Father. And he says, verse 15, I pray not. See, people that want to just, you know, get us out of the world because everything is hard and we're scared, right? That's not what Jesus prayed. He said, I pray not that you would take them out of the world. Now, there's coming a time where the king is returning. I'm not saying that the king isn't returning, return or I don't believe in his return. Are you kidding me? I just think that we are allowing fear-mongering to be the voice of the Spirit rather than the Holy Spirit determining. 
not going to sit there and let fear be the one that pulls out all the end time scriptures and make it seem like it's God right now. Test the spirit. I pray that you wouldn't take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from what? Keep them from evil. That you would preserve them. That you would protect them. Right? Now, stand to your feet. I want, I want you to see this. So, this anointing of preservation was so strong on Jesus. This power was so strong upon him. And he, he now is in the garden. And we're about to see this as you read this week. They come to arrest him. The hour has now come for him to lay down his life. That anointing is going to lift so that they can now crucify him. Are you ready? John 18, verse 4. Is this, am I reading too much? Y'all quiet. Jesus, therefore, verse 4, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Who are you after? Who do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am. He is italicized, I mean, it's not in the original. Once again, he said he was God. Watch what happens when he declared that he was God, the I am. And Judas also with him betrayed him, stood with him. As soon as he said unto them that I am, I'm God, that anointing of preservation was so strong without measure on him, all the people fell to the ground backwards. Why? Because there was so much of the anointing of God upon him, he was showing us and future generations that nobody could touch him because there was an anointing from the Spirit of God and his Father that preserved him. They all fell backwards. Now watch. Let's keep reading. What was the last miracle before Jesus' crucifixion? You're about to see it. And so they fell to the ground, verse 7. Then he asked them again, whom are you after? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I've told you that I am God, or I am. If therefore you seek me, let these others go. Let, let these others go. He's getting ready now. The hour has come to just let go, to give his life. No man takes my life. But watch what happens. Soon as he says that, that the sayings might be fulfilled, which he spoke of them, which thou gave me, I have I lost none. In other words, my, my anointing preserved them, but what caused one of them not to be preserved in that anointing? They got familiar. And the kiss of my familiar friend betrayed me and opened him up to the devil. I've had people get familiar with their church and they go out and badmouth it and then they wonder why they get hit upside their head by the devil. Because they got familiar. Watch what happens. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, took it out. What was, what was Peter doing with the sword? I don't believe in bodyguards in churches. I don't believe in police officers in churches. Well, then you go to a church where there's not one. Let some crazy man come in there. Not here. Thank you for our law enforcement. Thank you for our law enforcement. We don't need law enforcement. Well, what was Peter doing with the sword? He wasn't cutting fish. Boy, sure knew how to use it. Y'all ain't here anymore. I lost you. Look at what happens. Pulls out his sword, cut off the priest's servant, cut off his right ear, and the servant's name was Malchus. Now, why did this, why, why did this happen? 
I think for a couple reasons. Jesus was showing that no man could take his life because there was an anointing that preserved him to the point they fell down. Now, Peter acts out, cuts off the ear, and Jesus grabs the ear, showing the anointing is still on his life, puts it back on. Reason number one. Reason number two, why was it an ear? Because he was sending a message to these that were arresting him and future generations. He who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. I told you I'm the Son of God. I told you I'm the Messiah. I told you that I am the one that will lay my life down. And you chose not to hear. And yet you're going to crucify me anyway. And then he turns around and he says this. Then the, he says to Peter, put your sword away. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? What was he saying? He was saying, I've showed you. I am he. I am God, the son of God who has come to die for all men. I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one, and I have that anointing preserving my life. Peter, the hour has now come. I will do what my father said. He was now giving his life at that verse there. And notice the next verse that follows. For the first time, the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus, bound him, and guess what they did? They hauled him off. And our passion week that we're about to enter into was fulfilled. Do you understand the power of the anointed Christ that you serve? Do you understand the power of the anointed Holy Spirit himself when you declare is upon you? When you declare that anointing is upon your children, upon your nation, why do you think that the enemy has tried so hard to use the secular media to come against the church to shut you up? Because it is the voice of the anointing. Without the church, there is no preservation. Why do you think they've attacked truth? To break down mindsets in people so that the preservation of truth would not be there. I'm here to tell you, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. You are anointed. And when you say that, you are not just releasing power. You are declaring preservation upon your life. Say it. Say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed. That anointing of preservation is upon my life. It's upon my car. It's upon my spouse. Upon my children. Upon my family. Upon my leaders, my pastors. Upon my church. I release the anointing that preserves. Now give God a big shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.